It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I always sort of felt like this business is a production, like we're on stage and we really are. So I sort of feel like you, you work, you use it. My first tables, I'm waiting tables tonight. My first table is going to be extra... You know, I'm going to be theatrical for sure. That's my style anyway. I'm very, you know, like, that's my personality. So, yeah, they're going to get dinner and a show tonight probably. I don't know. Because I'll be nervous. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. Today's topic, Before We Write. So for both of us, it's very important to have conversations around story structure before Lane starts to write. It helps me to see what she has to work with. It helps her to talk through the reporting and judge the quality of the scenes and the details. Most importantly, it puts us on the same page, and it helps us save time on the back end. These conversations can take five minutes, or they can take an hour. I'm generally taking notes on what Lane says. That's just part of my process. It helps me to stay on track. Lane and I have been thinking about an episode where we discuss a story that she hasn't written yet and let you guys sit in on one of these story structure conversations. So this is it. We're going to talk about the waitress. I'll let Lane explain the, the idea and the person that she's been following for the last few weeks. And then we'll get to breaking down what she has. So that voice you heard at the beginning was Allison Harris, the woman we're talking about. So Lane, talk about Allison Harris. So I had the idea of, you know, I, actually I always do this, think about what, who's got something at stake, you know, when there's a news event going on. And it struck me, I was out at the bars on St. Patrick's Day um, when they shut everybody down. Last call was at five o'clock. Everybody had to go home. No for work. Home. She was at the bars for work. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I, went, I was sober at this bar too. It was very, 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 very drunk people on the afternoon. Um, but I kept thinking about, you know, all of the... Um, the servers and the bartenders who didn't want to go home, it was like their busiest day of the year for a lot of them on St. Patrick's Day, the beginning of spring break for a lot of people. And all of a sudden, you know, at five o'clock, everything is shut off and they don't know when they're going to come back to work and, and what it's going to look like when they come back to work or if they're going to come back to work. And, you know, that population of people, so many of them live paycheck to paycheck. I know um, a lot of them don't have insurance, health insurance. And I just thought, what are they going to do? You know, what, what's gonna, what is that going to look like for all these literally thousands and thousands of people just in Tampa Bay who are now out of work? Um, and also, you know, because restaurant work, well, there's, there's the front of the operation where the waitresses and servers and hostesses are and then there's also the back of the house so it's not just the servers it's the cooks and the dishwashers and the busboys too um so i think i talked to you and said hey i'd like to do a story kind of following someone through this shutdown not knowing when or if it was going to end or what it was going to look like but just sort of like walking in their shoes 
Um, and I put a call out on Facebook that a bunch of people uh, retweeted and reshared on Facebook, just looking for a server who would sort of let me follow them through this. Um, and Allie was one of the people who responded, Allison Harris, and I didn't know that I knew her. Um, it was very, it was funny because we were corresponding and, and I didn't see her picture, her picture, you know, her Facebook picture wasn't her picture. Um, and so finally I realized who it was. She had been a server at a restaurant where my son washed dishes like 10 years ago. Um, so I, I'd known her as a co-worker of Ryland's and I knew she had a, a daughter the same age as my son. Um, so anyway, that's how I hooked up with this woman. She's 40 years old. Um, she's got three kids. She's been a waitress all her life, like since she was 16, 17 years old. Um, didn't ever really entertain the notion of doing anything else and was kind of devastated not only for the loss of income and like how am I going to pay my rent but also kind of her identity is wrapped up in serving people and all the conversations she has all day long with strangers um and she she was by the time I think I got with her on um the 21st or 20 so it'd been about a week I I've met with her in person about about a week after the restaurants had shut down and she was already starting to feel lonely and displaced. And um, so that, yeah, so I've been following her since the beginning of the shutdown. Okay. So what do we um, talk about the scenes you have with her? So I was going back through my notes yesterday and I don't have a lot of scenes. <laughs> Actually, I have an initial interview where I sat on her porch for about two and a half hours with, um, James, our photographer, and we sort of did the, like, tell me the story of your life type interview. Um, and then we went back, like, a week later, and we're there when she was homeschooling her son, who's in fourth grade. So we have a scene um, in the kitchen where she's kind of making lunch while he's working on adding fractions, and there's some cute interplay between them. Um, he was really struggling with homeschooling. Um, and trying to learn fractions online, like a video. So I think, you know, there was a little bit of every parent's going through this now type piece of it too. Um, and then everything else I have really pretty much is on the phone with her, you know. Um, I went on this past Wednesday when Bodega, one of the restaurants reopened, and I have a little bit of scene, but she wasn't there when I was there. Um, so I don't even know if I want to use that, but today I'm going to go at four o'clock. She goes back to work today at four o'clock and she's so excited. I talked to her last night. Um, and so I'm going to be there to do her shift tonight, her first shift back. I, I reported the, the last shift in the um, restaurant and she sent me a really cute little video where she's dancing with the dishwasher and they're sort of saying goodbye. Um, so I was thinking I could start it with her, you know, being sent home and here's her last shift she works and then end it with her first shift back. Um, in terms of what the timeline illustrates. So you had, um, so you, you kind of had her recreate that moment and you have video from that moment. Yeah. She sent me a little video. She goes, it's really silly, but we were having a dance and it's, it's really cute. They, they, uh, you know, they didn't know when they'd see each other again, type of a thing. And so she's, she went back to the restaurant on Wednesday and Thursday and cleaned. And so she talked about that, what it was like to be back there. They moved all the tables outside. They, you know, socially distanced. They took the bar stools out. Um, you know, they're trying to find the new world order over there. And she talked about how great it was to be back um, with in the restaurant again at her, you know, her place. But she's also really scared. She's like, 
I don't want to say I'm paranoid, but I'm kind of paranoid. <laughs> you know, she was one of those people who did not want to go to the grocery store even, um, and who walked to the other side of the street when someone was coming. And she's very worried about getting her kids sick, getting her parents sick, um, and just being out there in the world, being exposed again, because she really was really self-isolating. You know, she's divorced and shares custody of their nine-year-old. And uh, the only place that she went was either to pick him up or to take a bike ride with him. And other than that, they like barely left the house. Um, so she's, I think, you know, it went from being, her fear went from, am I going to lose everything? Am I going to be, she got down to $160 in her bank account and that was all she had. So her fear went from being like economic disaster and how am I going to feed my kids to oh my God, I got to go back in the world and feed my, and work to feed my kids. But this virus is lurking out there and it's very present for her. Um, what about the food stamp angle? I mean, not angle, but the, the idea that she had to ask for help. I mean, did, how, how much do you have of that? And do you feel like that needs to work its way in here? Yeah. So that's another theme that kind of runs through it is, is money and, and assistance. Um, she went online to apply for unemployment like the day after they got shut down and she still hasn't gotten it. Welcome so, to Florida. <laughs> thanks, Florida. And, and all of her friends are in the same situation. You know, like everybody she works with is in the same situation. Um, so there, there are money themes. She finally got, she didn't want to ask for food stamps. She finally got food stamps. Um, she applied for a small business loan uh, for $500 from the city of St. Pete and was turned down. Um, because her restaurant hadn't been open long enough. So a bunch of bureaucracy type stuff, you know, going on. Um, didn't didn't want to ask for help, but her parents kept saying, are you okay? And so she would like go mow their yard. She ran errands for her mom. She moved furniture for her dad. She's like, I'm 40 years old. I'm back making, you know, gas money from my mom and dad. But so, so that, that economic part of it, you know, definitely, I think everybody who was looking for unemployment could relate to that, you know. So you she got like, a stimulus. Um, yeah. The first thing she did was pay off her landlord who'd given her a break. She she kept saying how lucky she was because her landlord had said, you know, I'm not going to kick you out. You're not going to be homeless. Just pay me what you can, you know, when you can. And so she's already spent, you know, money on her rent. Um, and then the other theme, I think we've talked a little bit about this is food, right? Like the idea, like how, and I think, I think this is probably true for a lot of people. Like I never thought about dinner until I was hungry at the end of the day and went, Oh shoot, what are we going to do for dinner? And now there's nothing else to plan. So even like Stephanie's column was talking about, even if the only thing you plan is dinner, you know, foods become much more important to a lot of people in this lockdown. And a lot more people are cooking and a lot more people are rationing and a lot more people are planning around like, oh, I'm only going to go to the grocery, you know, once a month or whatever. And so she, she had a lot of, um, food things going on you know she didn't normally she likes to cook but she didn't really cook dinner for her family often because she was working most shifts um so now she's been cooking every single day she's been cooking things she's never cooked before um she's been trying new recipes on her kid who's kind of a finicky eater um and then things like like i asked him what he missed most about uh, three weeks in and he was like french fries you know this little kid hadn't had french fries in all this time and she was talking about some of the food from the restaurant she missed and um you know they're they're not going to be able to um go back to the same old menu at, at the restaurant they had to change the menu because some of the food suppliers have fallen out now 
Um, so, you know, I, there's, there's definitely a, fee, a theme of food and, and nurturing. And um, I, re- I wrote down, you know, every time I talked to her what she'd made for dinner and she was like, oh, today I tried beef stroganoff, you know, today I made bone marrow stock and all these exotic things that the restaurant had, um, when they shut down, they let all their workers come and take the food. So she had grabbed all this produce and, and food from the restaurant, um, kind of exotic Lebanese type stuff, um, and was trying to cook that at home too. So uh, one of the biggest, most, well, the most important question we ask ourselves, you know, what's the point of this story? What are we hoping readers take away from this story? Yeah, and that's one thing, you know, I don't know what is going to um, surprise people the most about this story. It's she's the face of one of 800,000 people in Florida who's lost their job, you know, in the restaurant industry. And I think that's the best takeaway is like, what is it like for these people that serve your lunch, that bring your drinks, you know, that, that you see every day and maybe take for granted. Um, but also through, throughout the um, reporting, you know, throughout the, this time, it's been like, okay, now what is it going to look like? Like, is it ever going to come back? Are we ever going to feel comfortable dining out in a crowded restaurant? Are we ever going to feel like, yeah, we want to linger for a couple hours here with surrounded by strangers and food made by strangers. And so I think that also sort of um, casting forward to see how, how things, we're not going to have the answer to that yet. I don't think, but there's a lot of musing about it. Um, I interviewed the owner of the restaurant for a long time too. And he was talking about all these different things they're going to have to change and do differently. And um, you know, what's, what's the dining world going to look like? So um, yeah, I mean, I like, you know, I was thinking about the, the words that have co- popped up to me, of course, fear and food and identity because that really struck me too, what you, our conversations, and that's another thing, Lane and I try to talk as she's reporting, right? So she'll fill me in on, on what, um, what the latest interview was like, what, what she just got. So, you know, we, we keep up as we go along. But um, you were talking about <laughs> comparing her to us, that, you know, we do a job that we really love, and we don't know what we'd do if we didn't do this job. <laughs> so do you really... Like she doesn't really want to think about doing something else because there's so much that she enjoys about what she does when she does it. So um, identity seem like a pretty strong thread too um, through here. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that was part of what she was struggling with was not only not working and talking to people, but who am I if I don't do this? You know, um, some of her friends from the restaurant, one of them went to work at Trader Joe's. Um, one of them went to work at a call center, you know, so other people, People in her restaurant world were finding other jobs, but she didn't even want to think about that possibility, you know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I, I do like fear as a, as, a, as a sort of primary thread, though, I think, because, you know, it, especially if you cast back to that moment when they, they know that they're going to lose their jobs and for however long. And like you said, so she's in that moment, it's about the, being scared that she can't pay her rent, that she can't you know, she's not going to be able to get by. And now we're coming back. And even though she knows 
she wants to get back to it and she loves it. It's scary in a different way. Um, so I don't know. And I think that that's kind of cool. And then if you, you introduce it to this person whose identity is wrapped around all of this and wrapped around food and kind of how the, the dynamics at play over the last few weeks as she sort of shifted gears. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Just, you know, make that the, you know, you're coming in that way and you're going out that way. Still scared, but scared yeah. in a different way. A different know? way. Scared of different things. Yeah. Um, Lane, Lane has put together for reference a timeline that's helpful to her, but it's also helpful to me. And, and we'll do this a lot of times with the story. And this one, you know, she goes back to March 17th when all the bars closed. Again, that was St. Patty's Day. And then she's taking it forward here through the end, through the beginning of May. Because um, I think then that helps us, too, to figure out where we're going to start this timeline and how we're, you know, we obviously you're always trying to compress it as much as possible so you can go deeper and not not spend time on moments that aren't going to matter to the story. So and this one's a little tricky because like Lane said, we don't have a ton of scenes. We don't, we don't, and we've had to do some reporting over the phone, which is also not usual. Um, but um, I do like that idea of starting with the last day and then ending with the first day back, right? That you like that? That's, That's what I was thinking. Sense. Yeah. So we start with the last day. Um, then obviously you have to give us, you leave us with a sense of, doom fear right you leave us with a sense of oh you don't know she's going away and she doesn't know how long this is going to last and she doesn't know right. what it's going to mean for her family right exactly right is there even going to be a restaurant to come back to you know right and then obviously so we we've got to take her through these weeks and you've got to weave in and out of what she's doing you know week two week three week four or whatever but we do have to introduce people so i don't know if the second section becomes let's meet this woman, right? Let's tell you her backstory. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Because she, she, I mean, she, her, one of her earliest memories is like three years old. She's sitting in the kitchen watching somebody making yoki in the restaurant. You know, she, her whole world is restaurants. Okay. So then that backstory maybe then takes, explains coming, becoming a waitress, right? And that, that that's mm -hmm. been her world. And She's, you know, started in restaurants back when she was a teenager and she's 40 now and still working in them. And, you know, um, I think I think maybe a nod to what she loves about it. You know, what is it, how it defines her there? Yeah, I really I like her as a character because she is so passionate about what she does. You know, she, it's not like I'm waiting tables while I'm going to nursing school. You know, it's not right. like this is it tidying me over. It's like this is my passion. And this is who she is. Yeah. Taking care of people, you know, nurturing people. And um, that plays out a bit, too, with her son, I think, because um, she didn't have anybody to nurture but little Otto. And she, he was kind of like, back off, mom, you know, let me do my video game here. And she, so, I, you know, I think that was an interesting dynamic, too. Her uh, other kids are older, right? Yeah, so her teenage daughter was living with her dad mostly. Um, and then the other daughter is living on her own. She's like 22, 23, has her own place. Okay, so we're starting the story with the last day. And she goes off scared, not sure what's going to happen. Then we have a section where we tell the backstory, you know, how she became a waitress, how it defines her and what she loves about it, right? And then maybe there's a section that um, kind of takes us through these weeks. Because I feel like you're going to, 
there's a lot of um, sameness in the weeks, right? There is a lot of sameness. Yeah, so I don't know that we need to devote a ton of time and energy into week two, she's doing this. Week three, she's doing this. But maybe, maybe you have a whole section that sort of takes you through the weeks that are going by, how she's applying for unemployment, you know, not really happy about it, but applying for food stamps, learning to juggle with her son, homeschooling, but also then trying to cook, which is, you know, different for her, not something that happens. And, and so then you start fleshing out kind of, and, and with fear still an underlying thing then is she, is she, she's agonizing, I guess, about the money, about in the, in the landlord giving her a break and all that other stuff, right? And then running errands for her parents. I mean, that, that might be a meaty section, but I think you kind of you let the weeks go by and sort of flesh out what she's doing. I think I could do a scene in her kitchen with Otto, you know, that would sort of like put us there and then expand it to include like, you know, what so she went bike riding this week. Now she went kayaking this week. Oh, she took a walk around the lake. But the only thing that changes is what she does outside for exercise, you know, where her house is super tiny. Um, and so, you know, she, she's like, there isn't even any more room on the walls to hang my pictures. Like she hung up pictures and framed things and redid, redecorated. She's like, I mopped my floor eight times in the past week. Like, you know, what's, what's she doing to keep busy? She's, she wasn't able to sleep. She was trying to find like funny old sitcoms on TV to cheer her up because she really, she was very honest. I mean, she got really sad and, and gloomy at some places, you know, and the loneliness, um, I think on the days that Otto wasn't there, you know, were real hard for her. Like when he'd go back to his dad's, um, the, the walls were closing in a bit, you know. Well, maybe, you know, another thought is that we take all those weeks and split them in half and like sort of do the early weeks. You have a scene in the kitchen and then you walk us through the early weeks and, you know, a, some the tension's building in different ways. Because I was thinking you need a section at some point talking to the owner and maybe drawing back to, you know, she, obviously she's one of thousands who are mm -hmm. having the same experience. So you could, you could find a not, sort of nice natural breaking point of like where the tension has been building and then you pull away, have a section with the owner and talk a little bit about the broader context across Florida, across the world. You know, these, this, this is a crew of people who, you know, like you said, look paycheck to paycheck and, and there's, and the, the anxiety about what's, you know, what's happening. And then maybe, maybe you you come back to her and, and kind of lead up to her getting back to work. Maybe there's a little bit of lead up, a little bit of, okay, what's she doing, what she's been doing in the last two or three weeks, right? So if we go from, you know, you got all of, well, you got sort of a month from mid-May to mid-April to late April, maybe mid-May to late, late April. You're, you're telling me what's happening to her. And then mid-March, I'm sorry, mid-March to late April. And then, and then the owner, and then you come back to these first weeks of March. I've now I've got all my months. Weeks <laughs> of May, first weeks of May. Sorry, not enough coffee. Um, and, then, and then leading back to that first day. And then you, you go to that scene. That yeah, because I interviewed him on the 24th, on April 24th. And they were just starting to talk about reopening at that point in time. Okay. Um, so I think that would be a good place to break it. Like if we go from, you know, St. Patrick's Day to the 24th of April um, okay. and then let him sort of help us rise above about the industry as a whole, you know. 
Okay. And, and he, he actually, this is kind of interesting. He had, um, he said if he had no, he, he closed before they made them close. Like he wasn't even doing takeout or anything like that because he said he saw the fear. Oh, this goes back to your theme. See, he saw the fear in his um, workers' eyes. One of yeah. them had gone to New York and been exposed to somebody who might have been exposed to somebody. And he said this ripple through the kitchen was just palpable. So he shut down those so people, his workers wouldn't keep getting exposed. But he said if he'd known, you know, that they would, here it would be the end of April and they still wouldn't have gotten unemployment, he wouldn't have done it. So he was starting to regret it then for them financially um, and starting to see some of the suppliers falling out and, and thought, oh, I need to start reordering supplies if I'm going to keep these guys in business. Right. Um, but he, he didn't know, you know, on that day on the 24th when I talked to him, he wasn't sure when they were going to reopen or how or what. He was just saying, we need to talk about it, you know. And he said, um, he sent a survey out, which is kind of interesting. They have a group text. He's got, he's got 60 employees in his three restaurants. Um, so he sent a survey out to mom and said, who wants to come back to work? Who doesn't want to come back to work? Who would come back to work but is still scared? And like 90% of them said that, I want to come back to work, but I'm still scared. So that kind of, it, it would be a nice place to pause, I think, and, and look at some of those things he's weighing as an owner as well, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about um, just listening to you and looking at your timeline and thinking about all the things you probably, I, you know, um, having worked with Lane for a while, I know there's a lot in her notebook. So, um, <laughs> but I, so I'm thinking, yeah, okay, so that, that we, the scene in the kitchen, you know, works you back into her life and you go from mid-March to April 24th, uh, you know, not so specific to those dates, but then you hand off and you go to a section with the owner and talking about him looking back and looking forward and talking about the bigger scope of what's happening and everybody's kind of anxious. And then you come back to her and you have these first couple weeks of May where she's getting ready to go back and uh, that tees you up to the, the first day back, which you'll hopefully get a chance to, to see and have that be the ending, right? And yeah. Now, again, then there's a different kind of fear, but you know, this is what she loves. This is what she's missed. And that's how we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that would work. And, um, my other question is, she gave me names um, of a bunch of other co-workers, like a dishwasher, a busboy, a cook. Do we want to talk to other people? Or right now, like, she and the owner are pretty much my only sources, you know? I don't think it would be bad to get one or two others to just kind of get some feel for whether people spend it differently. Did they, I mean, did they have sort of the same experience as she had in terms of their anxiety and um, what's been going on. Of course, I think you also might get some, some of that connection when you go for the last, for, for the first day, when she goes back, you might have them, might be able to talk to a couple people there, mm -hmm. just, you know, say, okay. And I like, I think you can also, if he, if he's okay with you sharing his survey results, like, you know, he, this was, this is kind of a, a, a look at how everybody's feeling, right? Right. Yeah. I think he's fine with that. Yeah. But yeah. It wouldn't um, hurt. But I wouldn't, you know, like, I, I feel like um, it sounds like she's pretty, pretty typical of what's been going on and what people have been struggling through. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, you know, maybe what you do is in that section where you talk about the owner and your and your 3000 foot view. Maybe you have a person who went off to work at Publix or you have somebody who went off here or there. And you just mentioned that, you know, some of the others had felt like they had to go do this 
you know, um, they, they really didn't have a choice. And, and the people who, um, who don't want to come back yet, who aren't, you know, ready to come back, he's told them they'll have a job, but just take the time you need, which Allison was also kind of grateful for, because that would mean she would get more hours, you know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're all going to be operating at what, 25% capacity. So as it is, it's going to be dicey trying to, right, you know, keep a profit up. Right, right. Is he going to go to takeout too? Is that what he's doing? He, they do take out for lunch at, at Baba, where she works. Hers is more of a fine dining, where the bodega is almost all carry out at the window. Right. Hers is more of a sit-down fine dining, like a Lebanese restaurant. Um, right. So she said, yeah, they're going to have to start doing, they were going to try to figure out, take out carrier, you know, carry out containers and stuff and change the menu. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah, no, I think that, I think that'll work. Okay. So uh, typically what we do now is that I will go and open a Google Doc and write down, like put a little script together based on what Lane and I have just talked about, a little outline, and I'll send it to her and say, okay, this is what I, <laughs> this is what I wrote down, um, and to make sure I, I have, so one, two, three, four, five, six sections in this story, and, um, and it, hopefully that just make sure we're on again on the same page and that feels good to her and that you know we have the right flow um but hope that was helpful um and uh hope you guys uh, uh can use that uh in your own work as you debate stories anything else you want to add lane well, I only have five sections, so I'm anxious to see your outline. I was breaking her. I was breaking up the weeks that have gone by into two sections, and then I was making the the first day back its own section. That's what I was doing. So, so read me yours. So, first day back. Well, her, so no, last day would be the first section. Sorry, and, yeah. <laughs> and there's a section of backstory, who she is, um, the job, you know, how it defines her, why she loves it. Okay, then another section is, um, the, starts with the scene in the kitchen and some of the weeks going by, and here you're going to move from about mid-March to April 24th. Then there's a section with the owner talking and kind of the bigger context. Then you come back to her for the first weeks of May and, you know, catch up with where she is and how she's feeling. And then, uh, and then after that section, you have the section of her first day back. Okay, so I, I had those two as one section. Yeah. So, okay. so I was trying to give you some room because I... I know my people. <laughs> and um, I'm going to get there when she gets there tonight at four. Do you think I should stay for the whole shift or just stay for a few tables and get a scene there? Yeah, I don't think you need to stay for the whole shift. I mean, safety wise, too. I think, you know, get, keep your distance, wear your mask and, uh, you know, just see a little of the process. I, I, I feel like I feel like a lot might happen right at the beginning with her just being excited to be there, you know, and you yeah. can always call her back and just see if anything momentous happened or anything she wants to talk about. And, you know, she, she's got, how long a shift does she have tonight? Uh, five to nine. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're okay with just the start of the shift a little bit, see her get back into the groove. Okay. And, and James will be there too, the photographer. So we'll, he'll get pictures of an ending that way. Okay. All right. So this was our experiment. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have a question for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Or come talk to us on our Facebook group. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Allison Graves. 
Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.